This podcast is hosted by Chris Finkston and Spencer Oliver. They are both experienced paramedics. They've done everything from 911 ground ambulance to volunteer fire department work and are both currently flight paramedics. This podcast reviews scenarios based on real calls run by real out-of-hospital clinicians. Details are changed to protect the privacy of those involved and to present educational opportunities to the listener. This podcast is EMS 2020. All right. Welcome to EMS 2020. We are back again, fresh off of uh, Chris's clean kill on the last episode. (laughs) Fuck Um, you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. And uh, I'm excited to bring you another patient. The patient isn't excited uh, because it sounds like you'll probably murder them. But uh, oh god, (laughs) right? God, Uh, dude. The next episode that I that I write, which might be a while, um, but the next one that I do, I swear to God, like it's just going to be your big. Oh yeah, go ahead and check his airway. Can't squid on the face. Like it's just going to (laughs) be. That's not Uh-oh. my joke, by the way. I know a lot of no, you guys are no. going to call that out. That comes from, oh, what the fuck is that guy? Fire Department Chronicles. Fire if Department you haven't Chronicles. seen his videos, they're hilarious. God, and you absolutely funny. should. Yeah. yeah. But that is what you're getting next time. <laughs> or it's going to be uh, some sort of things like, no, Spencer, actually, if you'd checked between his toenails, you would have seen signs of a rare parasite from Zimbabwe that this guy managed to get under his left toenail. And if you recognize that parasite, you would see that there are no other signs or symptoms aside from seeing the parasite. And he's going to code in three, two, one. Bap, you missed it. If only you would have known to draw up half of your normal <laughs> dose of calcium and mix it with amiodarone. Uh, it would have worked and saved his life, but you're an idiot. So boom. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, uh, you know, uh, check out last episode for sure. And, uh, look forward to this is the Zimbabwe parasite that, uh, apparently I will stumble over jokes on you. I actually am aware and, uh, <laughs> I rolled a D 20 die and I nailed oh, the God, 20. You're so doing nerd thing again. <laughs> boom. Critical. <laughs> All right. Uh, guys, uh, thank you for the comments with the yeah. calls. Uh, as Chris and I have said many times, we're just two dudes. And uh, yeah, occasionally mm-hmm. we will miss and or just plain overlook stuff. It is really awesome to have a group of listeners with a variety of backgrounds, uh, whether they've been in EMS 20 years or if they've been in you know less than one, weighing in um, – and helping us kind of really QI these calls. Uh, the only thing is, I was really, really hoping when we were talking about square drive screws that someone would have popped in and be like, hey, dude, I'm a carpenter and you guys are idiots. And like that would have been the controversial <laughs> thing that we wrote. <laughs> yeah, that would be what we're talking about. Like we're, we actually have to apologize. We made a critical error. Uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever screws were bad. <laughs> Nice. We can tell how much fucking experience I have with screws. But no. mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah. So just, you know, please keep sending in comments and questions and uh, please keep reviewing and and listening. And thank you. Yeah, how many reviews are we up to now? Like a million? Uh, <laughs> sure. We'll round up to a million. <laughs> Seems fine. That sounds right. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Undo that. Hang on. Uh, old man learns to use phone. That's what I'm doing right now. That's what you're listening to. Um, hey, we're up to 67 in the United States. That's true. There we go. 
And uh, right now we're currently averaging, well, 5.0 stars. There is one two-star review on there, and I believe there's a three-star as well. Isn't no, there? the three-star is gone. Three-star is gone. It just went to five. Oh, nice. I, that person came back, I guess, and was like, eh, They're not so right. bad. I guess. <laughs> They're not so bad. That was probably the one guy that noticed our carpentry advice was off. And he's like, you know, it's not a carpentry show. And I'm back in <laughs> <laughs> but what do you got? What do you got this? Oh, hey, something else really quick for everybody. I just wanted to bring this up. Spencer and I are actually looking to fill this space with more than just our ramblings and just the constant, you know, like appreciation Dicks. of you guys. Oh, and digs. Yeah. But uh, just kind of that constant. We're looking to maybe add something more meaningful here. One of the ideas we were floating is we'd like to get some of your questions on episodes and be able to address them at the start of the next episode. So if you do have questions about an episode, feel free to put it out on Messenger. Uh, we'll, of course, try and respond to your question immediately. We don't want you to have to wait like a full episode cycle or anything like that. Um, but uh, if you got a good question, we'll probably ask if we can put it on the show because I think that's what we're going to start putting in right here. Yeah. So yeah, ask questions and you might hear your name. Otherwise, it's just us awkwardly trying to figure out how to segue into the call. So the call. <laughs> <laughs> this week's call takes place in a busy city suburban EMS setting. And if you'd like, go ahead and follow us on social media at Facebook. We're on Facebook at EMS 20 slash 20. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at EMS show. And if you want to email us, we are uh, EMS. Or I'm sorry. Instagram is EMS 2020 show. Our email is EMS 2020 podcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry, Spencer, you were talking about something. <laughs> All right. Back to the call. So this system has a private ALS ambulance typically staffed with either two paramedics or a paramedic EMT combination, as well as an ALS fire service, which responds to almost all medical calls with the ambulance. So the call comes in at about 1600 hours, which is about mid shift for the ambulance crew who, to be clear, we did get the story from. They've had a pretty busy day so far and are down several charts as they seem to be stuck in that loop of clearing a hospital almost immediately dropping a call, transporting back to that hospital, and then clearing just in time to get yet another call. So once again, they clear the hospital and are heading towards one of their system status posts when a call for alcohol overdose is tapped out over their dispatch. Oh, I love that. <laughs> the call, of course, is in a nearby neighborhood and this crew happens to be the closest unit to the call. <laughs> so once again, back to work. So they are dispatched along with a two person staffed fire rig. Um, I think these are called brush rigs. Maybe they're called little trucks. Uh, mini engine? <laughs> Stepchild engine. I don't oh, know. Wow. I'm, I'm clearly not a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's probably, it sounds like, what was the rig like again? It sounds like probably a. Brush rig or what? I, some I think it, it, might call from it. their description, I think it's like a little truck with stuff on it. It wasn't an ambulance. It it wasn't quite anything else. So let's call it yeah. a rescue. We'll just call it a rescue. Okay, a rescue. <laughs> All right. The dispatch the dispatcher relays the following to the crew as they go in route. The patient is a late forties female at a private residence. She has reportedly had a lot to drink. Go figure. And she is unconscious after a fall. Police are being dispatched as well. There are no reported weapons, but the 911 caller is also possibly intoxicated. The dispatcher then says, stage at your discretion. But before the ambulance can even respond, 
the fire unit, the rescue mini engine Tonka says, yeah, we're not staging. Okay. <laughs> so let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Going right on in. Um, my favorite, by the way, my favorite, I know this is a small tangent. You remember the show NBC's trauma? Sure do. Oh God. It was fucking awful. But one of the things that really, uh, like everything about the show actually made me mad. Uh, but one of the things in particular is like the crew gets dispatched to a gang shooting and they're like, you need to stage and they fucking stage like a block away. And they like, oh, you Jesus. can see like there's a group of people, there's a dude on the ground and there's a group of dudes around the dude and they're just like, and there's the ambulance and they're like, no man, we're staged. And I'm like, <laughs> you're staged like right fucking there. And then yeah. they're like, come on, come on over and help this guy. And they're like, nope, we're staged. And they lock the doors. Yeah. So, That's like <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't really know what staging is, so <clears throat> staging is basically exactly what, what it sounds like. Staging is when you park away from the scene and you wait for police to make it safe and then you go in. Um, so when should you stage? Uh, basically anytime where you're going to get hurt because the idea behind it is this. If you go into a scene that's unsafe, no matter how bad off the patient is, if you die, or even if you don't die, even if you get in, let's say you're, I don't want to use the word held hostage to sound dramatic, but you know, you're held hostage or it becomes a hard situation to get out of, or if you put yourself in danger, then you help nobody. Like if you're there to go help somebody and then you die or get injured or you have to run away and now you have to like leave your equipment on scene because you're running. Now you've helped no one. So yeah. that is why you stage. And when you do stage, do not stage within range. Uh, I would say visible range of <laughs> the scene for several reasons. One, if it is dangerous, let's say there's a gun or something that goes on that's going on. You are now a visible target. There's a couple of reasons people may target EMS. One, if they're a shooter and they're just looking to kill everybody, the more high profile you are, the more likely they want to kill you. Second, let's say this is some kind of shooting where it's a hit. It's gang involved. There's something going on. In other words, they want the person dead. Well, your job is to make said almost dead person not dead. Ergo, killing you will help them with their goal. Second, stray bullets. Two, or finally, the situation we're talking about on this stupid show, NBC's Trauma, is people are going to see you and try and flag you in. And you're going to yeah. have to sit there and be like, I can't go in. I'm sorry. You don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be in that situation. So stage away. That said, I one time accidentally staged in the parking lot uh, of a scene. And then all of a sudden realized. <laughs> but that was an accident. All right. Like I pulled up, like we got the call. I, got, I heard the address. I'm like, sweet, it's right here. And I pulled up my phone. I was like, hey, I think we're supposed to stage on this. I'm like, what do you mean? And I look up and it's like right in front of us. And the fight's like still going on. I'm like, well, I'm just going to try. I literally like pulled up. I saw it. And they're still fighting. And like people are looking at us. And so, like, I turn around and just drive out of the parking lot. So everyone just saw this ambulance. Basically, it, to a lot of people, I was the cowardly ambulance. Like, I just pulled up and was like, fuck, nope. And then drove away. Run away. Yeah. Run away. Anyway, sorry for that extra long tangent on staging. But, yeah, but you know, it's pertinent for uh, people who don't know. So, okay. So, yes, they're not staging. They're going in for the intoxicated person. So let's talk about the crew real quick. The ambulance crew consists of a paramedic previously dubbed the hippopotamus 
and his EMT partner, Walrus. The hippopotamus has been a paramedic for about seven years at this point, and Walrus is about a three-year EMT currently in paramedic school. I also want to bring up early that there are several hospitals in the area. There is obviously the large blankety-blank hospital that the crew just left, which is not an official trauma center, but it is technically level two and is occasionally used by the system as a trauma center when needed. There is also a regional trauma center, which is about double, <clears throat> which is about double the driving distance. Don't read into that foreshadowing at all. <laughs> it's really easy to not read into it when you call it out. Exactly. Yep. So now you know not to read into it. You're welcome. <laughs> Hippopotamus and Wal. <laughs> I wrote Walrud. <laughs> Hippopotamus and Walrus arrived to a rather run-down apartment complex with what uh, they described as parking spaces for maybe about 50% of the people who lived there. <laughs> and, nice. Perfect. And to boot, a very narrow laneway for the apparatuses. Ap apparatus? Apparati? It's apparati, uh, I believe. A flock of apparati sounds like the right thing to say. A flock of apparati. Mm -hmm. Uh so, yeah, there's a very narrow laneway for all the apparatus to drive through. It just doesn't sound right. Uh, so they pack, uh, they, excuse me, they park behind the little uh, fire thingamajigger and mm -hmm. uh, look for the apartment. <laughs> a rescue. Luckily, <laughs> the rescue. Luckily, the door to the apartment is uh, very close to the fire apparatus that beat them there and is helpfully left ajar. That is nice. Uh, Side note, I do love that. God, yeah. That's like, how many times have we talked about on this show, like how hard it is to find people in apartments? Yeah. Yep. Open door. Great sign. <clears throat> All right. So the hippopotamus, right feel assumes it's going to be their call just kind of based on the dispatch notes. And they grab the stretcher and they bring it over to the door, parking it just outside the apartment before crossing the threshold into the scene. Ooh. The apartment is described as very small, maybe hmm. 500 square feet total. It's okay. fairly cluttered, poorly lit, and that's not to imply that it's dirty, filthy, or in any way unkempt. It's more like it's just small enough that having a lamp on a table in that kind of a place just makes everything seem cramped because it just takes up a, now oh, a yeah. significant portion yeah, <laughs> of I, the available I, space. I, I had an apartment very much like this. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I had a permit that was 520 square feet, and I'm going to say 120 of those square feet were taken up in a hallway. So <laughs> it's pretty much yeah. you open the door, there's a there's a living room, big air quotes, and then a T-shaped hallway that goes to one room, and then there's like a kitchenette in it, and like that's yeah. it. Was this also the place where you just like cycled out the light bulb depending on the room that you had to go into? <laughs> right. Well, I was <laughs> I was working as a vehicle service technician at an ambulance outfit, uh, cleaning ambulances, uh, and then going to school full time as well. So yeah, yeah, it was like that. I uh, <laughs> I, I actually once <laughs> so. Uh, it wasn't my turn with with the light bulb, the house light bulb, and I was uh, in the living room, and. Oh, gosh, I got to be careful how I say this. Um, I we had a candle for when you didn't have the light bulb and I was, <laughs> and I was using the candle and then the candle look was starting to get low. And so I just started like <laughs> this is going to sound super trashy. I was digging into my backpack 
And uh, I knew I had like some receipts and probably some pieces of paper I didn't need it. And so I just started burning them in the candle um, and just kind of not realizing how bad this was. And then and, and here's the thing. I, I have I have rifles. And earlier in the day, I was cleaning. I was cleaning some of them, and I have some solvent that I keep in a Gatorade container. A Gatorade container, and I left that out. Well, solvent's super flammable, and that was sitting on the same table I was doing this with. And I also had a Gatorade that was just normal Gatorade that was just that I was sipping out of. So I'm dumping the receipts in there, and they just light and they catch fire pretty good. Which I'm like, that's intended. Not thinking that like, hey, I'm about to set off a smoke detector, and I do. Which like our neighbors hated us because we set that smoke detector off all the time. Me and my roommate did. Uh, but anyway, so that's going on, and I go to grab my Gatorade to douse this thing, and I don't. Instead, I grab the solvent and I dump flammable solvent onto this fire, and it just shoots straight up, and my uh, my roommate is sitting on his computer in the living room, he's just like, what the fuck? And it's just a fountain <laughs> of flame, and we scorched the ceiling of the apartment. Um, <laughs> to say the least, there were so many wa- there were so many reasons aside from that, but we did not get our safety deposit back. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Weird. Mind-blowing. Uh, if I need to uh, cut that, I, maybe that's a cutting room floor thing, but... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it seems enjoyable. It is. All right. So anyway, in this living room, there is a large mattress laying directly on the floor, but the, the bed does have sheets and blankets and there's a nightstand nearby. And that's where the patient is. There's also a kitchen table in view uh, as you walk in and the kitchen area just sort of around the corner from that living bedroom. Again, the areas that they could see are relatively clean, save for the several bottles of booze and some snacks that are out on the table. There is also a small dog present who's just chilling in a bed, uh, excuse me, chilling in a dog bed near a corner in uh, this living bedroom. And for the record, the place actually doesn't smell bad. Um, So have I painted the picture well enough, Chris? No, you have. Nailed it. All right. So as the hippopotamus walks in, they immediately recognize two fire medics. We're going to call them Knight and Rook. And the hippopotamus feels relieved. These are some pretty cool names. The hippopotamus says this about these two medics. I was glad it was these two. We've run a bunch of calls together and they know their stuff, but they're also very cool on scenes. They're very professional, respectful, and they like to be team players and work with the ambulance crews. Nice. Good. So let's move on to the patient. The patient is described as a thin woman who looks about her age. Remember, late 40s. She's lying supine in bed with her head on a pillow, and Knight is kneeled down on the floor next to her trying to perform an assessment and calmly trying to ask her to stop moving because she might have a neck injury, specifically a C-spine injury. Okay. Rook is nearby with the male 911 caller, who is either a spouse or the boyfriend. Hmm. And upon seeing EMS... Rook acknowledges the ambulance crew, asks the husband guy to hold on one second, and then just comes over and gives a quick report to both the hippopotamus and the walrus. I just love these names today. It's, I know, they flow very well. It does kind of make the ambulance crew members just seem like slothy, lazy people, though. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you're a hippo and a walrus. Hang on, here's Rook and Knight. Oh, foreshadowing anybody? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. So Rook says... I have no idea. So these two, the patient and spousal person, have basically split a fifth of vodka between them since like 11 a.m. 
Nice. And this sounds like a pretty typical day off activity for them. So, yeah, they're pretty heavy drinkers. But about 10 or so minutes ago, he says she was just walking towards the bathroom and then took a header right into that cabinet there that's built into the wall, which the firefighter says is probably actually the only solid piece of wood in the entire place. Oh, no. (laughs) No. So the husband person interrupts and like says this to the crew. And I told him she was just walking and then she just fell forward, man, right into that thing. I fucking felt it when she hit. Oh, that's no good. Rooks continues. And he, looking back and nodding at the husband guy, witnessed this. He says she didn't even try and stop herself, just sort of head first, boom. And then he says that she was unconscious for about maybe two minutes. And then with his help, got up and moved over to the bed. So that is where we are at. So at this point, two police officers have also arrived and they enter the apartment. And they asked the fairly amped up husband individual to come talk to them in the kitchen area, which actually essentially clears him from the scene for EMS. And that can actually be pretty helpful sometimes. I don't know that necessarily this guy seems like he's legitimately concerned for his wife and so far or wife, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so far, like he doesn't seem like he's a threat or anything like that. Uh, but sometimes people who are amped up and, and again, like we've talked about this patient, like, or this husband, like, boyfriend whatever yeah. uh he is his this so he is so. um sheriff's office no significant, <laughs> significant other. other yep 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 uh he is just really concerned but sometimes when people get amped up they can inadvertently make scenes hard and you've got like we've talked about this in the head and the heart episode and that is like there's a way to get people to um have it your way as we like to say in the sense like they they think it's their way, but it's really your way. And this is actually yeah. a good thing right here is this guy wants to help. But if he's too involved in patient care, sometimes he can hinder things. They can get too exactly. excited. They can try and help. They can hurt that kind of things. So having them be able to go like, hey, like the cops come in. And these cops probably were. I don't know. I don't I don't know what happens for the rest of this. I'm hoping I'm not about to set myself to be wrong again. Um, <laughs> murder another one. But um, these cops seem like they kind of got their shit straight. And says like they kind of come in. They're like, hey, um, why don't you come talk to us in the kitchen? And then that way. And that's nice because this guy. He took us to provide information. He can be like, I'm helping, you know, and he can do that, but he can do it away from where the real help needs to happen. And so that's a great way to both respect this guy who wants to help. Because if you try and tell him to stay away from the scene, you may agitate him. He's drunk. Yeah. You may do that. This is a way where he doesn't get agitated. He gets to talk to someone who's, you know, who's part of the scene to help. He gets to feel like he's helping and you get to help his wife. Anyway, move on. Yeah. And I mean, doubtlessly, I think to your point, doubtlessly, there's going to be like questions that he might be able to answer. Um, And like having him just sort of in the other room still keeps him available for EMS should they need him. So it was a good move on the police part, in my opinion. Um, Anyway. So after getting the report from Rook, uh, the hippopotamus joins up with Knight, who is still trying to convince the patient to hold still on the bed and not move as he's trying to put on like the pulse oximeter, BP cuff, monitor cables. Unfortunately, though he explained earlier that she was possibly hurt, she doesn't seem to think so and is very upset and confused as to what is going on. From the hippopotamus's view, 
She appears adamant that she will not comply with Knight's ask, yelling, no, no, I, I, I will not. What, you, what is going on? And she immediately rejects having the pulse oxygen around her finger. And from her supine position, she yells for her uh, guy, the significant okay. other, who then, uh, <laughs> this is actually kind of humorous to me, uh, as Hippopotamus described it, who basically just sort of like peeks his head around the corner, just his head, and just starts telling her like, you need to listen, insert patient's name. I thought you were fucking dead. Just do whatever they say <laughs> for me, please. Wow. And, nice. and then like his head just kind of disappears back behind the corner. <laughs> so, so case in point, this is where they may be unhelpful <laughs> or maybe helpful. I don't know. I'm curious. How does she respond to this? So the hippopotamus basically at this point just sort of kneels down next to the patient in a way that basically blocks everyone else out. Such a great fucking line. And in a calm, quiet voice, asks for her name, and introduces himself. The patient focuses on Hippopotamus, gives them her name, and then immediately starts demanding answers from the Hippopotamus. The Hippopotamus responds with a concerned, yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out. It sounds like you were walking towards the bathroom and just collapsed and hit your head, and your husband says you were out cold. The patient responds with, that, no, no, that didn't happen. And the hippopotamus, noting her answer, asks her in a low, curious, and concerned voice, Okay, can you tell me what happened? The patient then sort of falters here for several moments. And the hippopotamus sees it as an opportunity, now that she's slightly more calm and thinking. Says, Hey, while you're thinking about that, would it be okay if I touched your head and your neck just to make sure there's no injury? I know you don't think there is. Letting me do this just kind of helps us figure that out. The patient nods. And then is then paralyzed. The hippopotamus. Yep. And that was it. The patient nods and now they're dead. C1 (laughs) fracture. Yep. (laughs) All right. And uh, that's the call. Right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to EMS 2020. (laughs) So the patient nods and the hippopotamus does a quick run through with her hands, feeling uh, for lumps, cuts, crunchy or tender spots and then palpates around the posterior neck, finally examining their gloves afterwards to see if there's any blood, and there's nothing found. Are you hurting at all anywhere? And she responds with a firm, no. He asks, okay, do you feel nauseated at all? She says, no. The hippopotamus says, good, okay. And then goes back to the story. Okay, so do you remember what happened? And she again falters at answering. So the hippopotamus then switches and starts asking small but simple, like history of present illness, you know, like events leading into this questions, just trying to establish some sort of a baseline. So they report that they sort of gently asked about key parts of the story, such as like, hey, your spouse says this is how much you've had to drink. Does that sound right to you? And she's unsure of how much she's had. She's, you know, do you remember walking towards a bathroom? She doesn't. You know, what's the last thing you remember? She says she was drinking. So while they were asking these questions, the patients noted to be calmer. And the hippopotamus actually interrupts themselves and quickly asks if it would be okay. While they're asking a question, I'll say that again. The hippopotamus actually interrupts themselves like mid-question and then sort of goes like, oh, hey, by the way, can I get some vitals while we talk just to make sure that like everything's okay? 
And she consents. And so Knight and the walrus set about getting vitals while the hippopotamus continues to sort of actively listen and try and probe questions. It's almost as though these guys have listened to our podcast and how to approach patients. I'm actually really digging how they're interacting with her right now. Yeah. This is good stuff. This is great. So the hippopotamus notes that there is some slurring of her speech, but they felt that like, even though they're slurring, she's actually fairly easy to understand and cogent in a lot of her responses. Oh, I love that word. Especially given the amount of alcohol that she's reportedly consumed. Cogent. Uh, It's such a nice word. Like it's one of those words where it's like, okay, like cogent, like it means like you're with it, like you're responding appropriately, but it could also be a brand of toothpaste. It really could, right? Yeah, you know, like someone's like, yeah. oh, what What do you brush with? Oh, I use cogent. Cogent extra whitening. Mint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cogent uh, extra mittening uh, whitening solution. Yeah, so <laughs> she is still distraught, but she's able to calmly respond to uh, their questions. So as they get vitals, she tells them that she wants to sit up, and the hippopotamus agrees and even offers her a hand to help sit up. Uh, once she's in a sitting position, they're able to palpate down the rest of her their uh, the patient's back with no abnormalities noted. And now that, again, now that she is a little calmer and talking, the hippopotamus asks her two quick kind of time place questions, which she answers, but she does get more agitated with as actually quite a few patients can. Okay. And so the hippopotamus explains that, Hey, these are just standard questions. I, you know, it, basically they ask the patient, like, do you know where you are right now? And do you know what day it is? And the patient answers them. She's like, I'm at home. It's the afternoon on whatever day it was. Mm -hmm. So the patient's vitals, level of consciousness, she's GCS 14. And we're going with the 14. It was sort of a toss up between 14 and 15, just because there is some confusion. She does not recall the events and she seems fairly confused about like the events that other people have witnessed. Um, But otherwise she seems to answer everything else appropriately. Uh, Again, she's still fairly agitated at EMS at this point, but the hippopotamus feels that there's actually a pretty decent rapport between them at this point. So other vitals, heart rate is 118, sinus tachycardia on the monitor. The BP is 133 over 91 via the autocuff. SpO2 is 96% on room air and a CBG is taken and uh, they don't remember the number, but it was described as unremarkable, except that she got upset by the surprise poke um <laughs> and side, little side note here saying little poke like half a second before you actually poke them is oh, not actually warning <laughs> them and that sounds like what happened here and the patient really didn't like that all you've done is advise them that it's your fault like that's, <laughs> that's uh, it. i think what what happened, I think, was Walrus said that and did that, and then like the hippopotamus, she like she yelled at him, and then like the hippopotamus was like, I- "I'm sorry, I don't like, uh, damn it." Um, so yeah, it, just fair warning. Give people a little bit of warning. Don't mm-hmm. just yeah, little book boom. <laughs> nice. So uh, her pupils were described as equal. Um, four millimeters, but they were slow to react. Uh, and there was also some nystagmus noted that, and that was, they just saw that sort of in talking to her and looking straight. Yes. And nystagmus is sort of like a, a quaking. I've heard it called. It's that seems Mm. fair. It's like an earthquake of the eyes. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of, uh, side to side motion. Yeah. Um, which is also pretty common with, uh, intoxication. It is. So she denies any medical history, denies taking any medications, and she denies having any allergies. So 
Chris, what would your concerns be for this patient? So <clears throat> I always hate these patients. <laughs> these patients, they're in the same category as like fall patients at Alzheimer's facilities because <laughs> there was a significant mechanism, but their their level of consciousness is so difficult to assess uh, in these patients because it's like, okay, is this just alcohol and all they need is time and they're going to be fine and there's really nothing an emergency room can offer them? Um, or, uh, you know, they legitimately have head trauma. Here's kind of, so here's kind of some things that I would say are interesting to me. So on one hand, we're able to say that, you know, she's able to say, Hey, look, I'm at home. It's afternoon and this is the day. And that might lead a lot of paramedics to be like, oh, okay, she's actually fine. Like she doesn't remember the fall, but Hey, maybe she's just drunk, you know, or maybe the husband or boyfriend, whatever he is, maybe the significant other saw something that maybe, you know, he's intoxicated too. Did he really see what he was saying? And so a lot of people can yeah. kind of take this, what I would say an apparent example of being oriented by, by knowing that she's at home, it's afternoon and the day it is, as a sign that she's okay. In my situation, though, I would say this is actually a sign that things are worse than what, how they may seem. And here's why. The mm. husband, to me, had a very – that description of, dude, like she hit her head right there. He was very specific. Like she hit her head right there, and I felt it. Like he's very specific in describing this. He he has no question in what he saw. So I believe something happened. Sure. But what I do know is that she doesn't remember it. And so mm -hmm. by virtue of the fact that she's able to tell me all these other things accurately, I feel fairly accurate in my assessment that something did happen, but whatever did happen, uh, her brain does not recall that specific thing. Because so far, her brain has the, she is not so drunk. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's certain levels of drunkness, right? Like there's that level of drunkness where you do forget things, but she's not yeah. there. And we can almost say that the fact that she can tell me she's at home, that is the afternoon and what day it is, tells me that she's actually not that intoxicated. She's drunk, but she's not so intoxicated that she can't tell you what day it is because I have met those people. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Depending on the night, I'm that person. But uh, <laughs> I have met that person. So here's the thing. She is not so drunk that she would forget something that just happened. And I'm pretty yeah, convinced. That's a good point. Yeah. And I'm pretty convinced that something did just happen. Yeah, I never so, thought of it that way. That's uh no, that's a really salient point. So my concern for this patient is that she had a, a significant head injury and had significant trauma to yeah. her head. And I would and maybe this is an overreaction. I will openly admit, and I probably received this criticism, I probably make more trauma system entries than your average paramedic does. That's probably okay. that that's probably true of me. Like I I I've, I've heard that rumor about me, but I'm okay with it. Um, and, and it mostly happened. I mean, again, I know I referenced this a lot, but after I, I joined an agency where we do consistent follow-up on every single patient, I have changed where I now do more trauma system entries than I used to. And yeah. it's just because I got follow-up and I found out that I was, I used to be wrong a lot. Um, so yeah. yeah, I, I would, I would, I would be very, very concerned of a closed head injury okay. for this patient. Yeah. So you're leaning down sort of the trauma route. Yeah, and, I d definitely uh, am. Yeah. Definitely okay, am. Gotcha. All right. So onward here. So this is where things actually get harder on the call. The hippopotamus knows that 
they need to bring up transporting the patient to the hospital. And by the way, there's no one here going like, ah, she's fine. Like everyone, all the responders Good. seem very in line with that. But the, all the indications so far show that this patient will fight them tooth and claw over that issue. Mm, so as okay. they finish up the history and assessment and are about to broach this topic, the patient tearfully calls out her husband's name, but this time he doesn't peek around. And the other <laughs> providers have basically kind of He's stood back lost. and let the hippopotamus be the sole interaction with the patient. And the hippopotamus uh, told me at this point that they just, they were like, dude, I, I felt lost. I didn't know how to proceed. I didn't know how to like go forward and talking to her about going without like having to fight with her. Mm -hmm. So Chris, if this were you, like, how would you want to approach this topic? Like, so, how would you try? And I know this is sort of hard, but based on what we've got here, mm -hmm. like, what would you try and do? Yeah. So this is hard. I, I want to say like, so one of the things though is, uh, so I will say, I mean, especially when it comes to intoxicated people and, and here's what you got to look at this is you have someone who is intoxicated and I believe head injured. Those two things will compound and make somebody, it, 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 they don't cancel out. It doesn't make things any better. Um, <laughs> it, 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 two it wrongs makes, don't make a right. No, yeah, it absolutely doesn't. So you, you have a lot of potential for this to be a big fight. What I'm going to commend Hippopotamus on right now is that he has laid foundation to be successful in this. What I will warn is that that foundation aside, you just may not be successful. There are some times where you're just going to lose. So, but that being said, my approach to this is is gonna ha is gonna be to be really upfront and honest with the patient. And what I like to do is I like to make people feel really good about themselves. And so let's be like, you know, hey, first of all, thank you so much for talking with me about this. I know you didn't want to, but you've really just shown you know a lot of a lot of care and a lot of concern for us, you know, in, in answering our questions. I totally get it. You know, that being said, you know, like your husband, uh, you know, he just, he seems like a really good guy. And usually if they're drunk, they're, they're like, sometimes like, I love him. You know, like that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. And, and if you can get that response, that's great. Uh, and it sounds like she's going to be more, I love him than anything else. Cause just based on like her, like calling for him and that kind of stuff. Um, mm, mm. but like, well, I mean, <laughs> fuck, we're about to see, uh, but anyway, she may be, I don't know, but, um, it also might be one of those things, <clears throat> but yeah, if you can kind of work that in and be like, look, you know, he really cares about you and I really care about you too. And I think we just need to go, go up to the hospital and get checked out. You know, we're going to do some dumb things along the way. Like I got to put you on a backboard and in a collar and these kind of things, but it's all just precautionary. Get you in, get you out. We'll be good. And here's the thing that you have to understand. You may say all that. You may be perfectly calm and it may work like a charm. It just may fucking not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but my, my approach would be, the first thing is don't lie. Be honest. Uh, because if you get caught in a lie later on, you're fucked. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times honesty can go a long way with people. So be flattering, be upfront, be honest, and be prepared to have that not work yeah exactly the hippopotamus basically just says to her i really think you need to be seen at the hospital and the patient gets super pissed off and starts yelling no i am not going to the hospital i can't go to the hospital and it's kind of going down that road so knight jumps in trying to assist and then the patient just essentially yells the same thing at them and then she sees her little dog and gets a like even more distressed and calls out Falcor. And, 
which is the dog's name, Falcor. So I, I'm not gonna lie. Please tell me the dog has a signal, like it's a flat, like a bat signal, but it's like on a flashlight, and she like shines it on the ceiling and yells, Falcor. Dude, I as I was hearing this story like this. This fucking made me laugh. Uh, it, like, and it's little a little thing. dog. That's the best part. It's a tiny dog. Yeah, I, it, like Falcor, I expect a Great Dane to kick the door down and jump in. That Falcor was from uh, oh god, the Never Ending Story. It was yeah. the big flying I fucking dog. Yeah. Precisely who Falcor is. So like, it, dude, I, like I'll be honest. Like if I if I if I'm on scene and like this happened to me like this is how like i have a, like this neurosis thing where like <laughs> i'll see that and then like then i'm like oh my god i must make a comment about this but i have to make a comment that the patient like the patient won't like realize as a comment but like other providers might like other people like somebody needs to appreciate the fucking humor in this situation and so like i like it's it's sort of like jimmy like jimmy fallon on like saturday night live like he's doing fine then somebody says something funny and then he gets that fucking big dumb like smile on his face and you're like ah the scene's ruined because he's like he's broken character he's, he's like he's gone and he does that he did that for like every scene he was in that was, that's well, me in those moments like someone's like oh this is my dog falcor and i just kind of go like mm. <laughs> oh, wow, it was a little smaller than I uh, thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, right. the best part is you, you can make jokes now because, like, this patient's fucking altered, so they're not going to remember. I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> yep, that's awesome. <laughs> so the hippopotamus asked the question, and this is a really like this is actually a really good question. Like, can I ask you why you don't want to go? Yeah. Because that offers the opportunity for the patient to like yeah. to do that reflective listening that we that talked is, about in that's the head awesome. and heart. That's awesome. I mean, I'm sorry, dude, I keep is, interrupting you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. There is an easy oppor- like there's an easy joke opportunity here. And it, the patients have hit me with that when I ask questions of that, like, can I ask you why you don't want to go? They go, sure, you can ask. And you know, nice. Okay. Why don't you want to go to the hospital? I'm not telling you. I just <laughs> said you could ask. Oh, right. badoom You got me. Well done. You know done. what else is funny? For said. <laughs> For said's hilarious. <laughs> oh, shit. So the patient, the, <clears throat> the patient doesn't answer the hippopotamus, but starts reassuring her dog that she, the patient, is fine and that there's no need to worry. And the hippopotamus told me, like, I really don't think the dog gave a shit, to be honest. It, <laughs> like, it looked sketched out by, like, all the people that were there when it was, like, just kind of hanging out in its bed. And then, like, it cautiously came over when she was called. But, like, yeah, well, it it didn't care. And to be dead honest, considering these people pretty much pound a fifth of vodka whenever they have a day off, this is not the weirdest thing the dog has seen. <laughs> like, that's, this is not. I think that's probably a safe bet. Yeah. <clears throat> the patient then anxiously points out that her dog needs her and that she can't leave it, so she can't go to the hospital. The hippopotamus asks, and I think this is an appropriate follow-up question, couldn't your husband watch the dog? And the patient <laughs> yeah. just responds as if it were obvious, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that responsible. He can't watch a small dog. Yeah, I mean... He couldn't watch her, so <laughs> drop that ball. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> uh, 
That's fair. The last person he was in charge of just might be a trauma <laughs> system entered to the nearest trauma hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen to the not dog? A, not a great, not a great streak of taking care of people. Anyway, the hospital then explains in a sincere voice why they feel the patient needs to go to the hospital, essentially citing the witnessed and unexplained fall and the loss of consciousness coupled with no memory of the event. The patient repeats that they can't be away from their dog, who they insist is terrified and can't be left alone. <laughs> Knight jumps back in and gently asks, wouldn't Falcor be more upset if you ended up really being injured? Oh, nice. The patient doesn't answer. And the hippopotamus immediately tries again. Look, what if we just take you up to blankety blank hospital? It's pretty close. It's right up the street. We can take you up there. They can check you out quickly and just make sure there's nothing going on. And then you can come home to Falcor. They describe the patient as seeming close to agreeing at this point. Okay. She's not talking to them, but she is listening. So the hippopotamus quickly follows that last statement with this. I understand you don't want to go to the hospital. I get it. I know there's a lot going on right now. I really just think you need to go. Just make sure there's nothing going on. He gives a small pause and then continues, I know you're scared. And things break right then. Oh, fuck. The patient immediately reacts to that last statement with rage and indignation. I'm scared? I'm not scared. Don't fucking tell me I'm scared. Uh... The the commotion from this outrage causes the husband to peek around and yell at her to go to the hospital. (laughs) And the hippopotamus scrambles to recover. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say scared, but it's too late. The barrage of outrage continues, and the patient basically no longer wants to deal with them. They step back, and Knight steps up to the plate and takes over from there. And I want to interject with a premature thought and I think a key lesson point. I believe in hearing this story firsthand from the hippo. The main mistake here was not the statement, I know you're scared. That that was a mistake. It was probably an assumption that, well, is seems true yeah. to me it absolutely doesn't need to be said out loud but i think the actual error was earlier yeah it was all the no, statements I, yeah i keep keep going i, I think you're about to yeah. really agree yeah. on this one right after another they deluged the sales pitch onto the patient before any of them were given time to work exactly The hippopotamus, much like myself, is clearly uncomfortable with silence. But we have to let the things that we say, those sales pitches, like those those sort of key statements, like give them time to have the impact. Say them and then just sit back and wait for them to work. If you pile on too much, you're essentially robbing them of all the power and you're diminishing that sense of control and agency that the patient needs. They no longer hear like you telling them this. They just hear you telling them over and over and over again and agitating them. And then they don't feel like they have a choice, like they have a say in the matter. It's so. one of those things where like what I would say is once you can see, because there's some, there's kind of some indications and they mentioned it earlier. There's some indications that it's working on them because she's coming closer to agreeing to going. Once you can kind of see those gears turn, stop. 
let the gears turn. A thing that's kind of good to say is like, like for example, you know, just to kind of go back up, you know, they said that they had her pretty close uh, to agreeing. And before that, they'd said, they go, look, we're just trying, we just want, if we just take you to Blanky Lake Hospital, it's pretty close. It's right on the street. We can take you up there, get you checked out quickly, make sure nothing's going on, and you can get home to Falcor. And then Hippopotamus tells us that, or tells you, that the patient's seeming close to agreement at that point. That is where Hippopotamus should have stopped, right then yeah. and there. Let her, let the patient let those gears turn, let her come to that conclusion. But what ended up happening is what Hippopotamus probably thought was, I'm on a roll. I should keep talking to fill this silence. <laughs> and then he did. And yep. he just pissed her off. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. You know, but anyway, I, so I would say once you start to see buy-in, it's almost like selling knickknacks. Once, you, once someone buys in, stop selling because there's a threshold with selling something. So I used to actually work in sales at a grocery store and there is a threshold to selling and it applies to EMS. And that is you have someone who comes in and they're unsold. They do not want to buy your product. Yeah. So you start giving them reasons to buy your product. And then the needle starts moving around the gauge and it gets closer to sold. Once they are sold, stop selling. Because past the portion where it says sold is, I don't trust you anymore. Because once yeah. they've already clearly become sold and you keep selling them stuff, they start to get suspicious. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Anyway, and I'd be late to the way, point guys, enough. We have, a, we have a whole episode where we do a deep dive into this. I, I, I don't think I'll say much more on that part of it. Uh, Head and heart. Excellent episode. I listened to it again recently. Still holds up. Uh, that that doesn't sound pompous or self-centered at all. Oh, let's give myself <laughs> talk again recently. Solid shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty amazing. <laughs> Look at myself in the looked at myself in the mirror this morning. Handsome. Pretty good. <laughs> Great nice. abs. Oh man. Well, I have this thing where like we record and then I tear apart the episode and I'm like, God damn it. I want to oh, like, do it better. Like, oh, I fucking like, yeah. And I feel that way about every episode for, I don't know, fucking months. And then like, I'll forget about it. Cause I'll be like anxious about the episodes we've recently put out. And if I said something the right way or, you know, whatever, and then like, I'll go back and listen to the other stuff. And I'm like, that's eh, actually not too bad. So, anyway. Right. Yeah. I understand why people like us now. Those reviews make sense. <laughs> so anyway, as you say, there they were naked fire all around them. <laughs> right. But that little lesson aside, it's okay because the husband character, Knight, Rook and the walrus, <laughs> they're able to mostly convince her to go <laughs> that like she stands up seemingly agreeing and then sort of moves towards the stretcher. And then rethinks her decision, gets talked back into it, kind of like, come on, you know, arm around, <laughs> helping her, like, God. You're doing and then great. She <laughs> sits on the stretcher, like reconsiders, and then like tries to get up, but is quickly talked back down. And as they're telling her, like, no, you need this, like seatbelts are going on around her. And then things just start moving faster because she's on the stretcher. And so what happens is, despite the patient's verbal objections, She's basically just moved out to the ambulance on the stretcher, and she doesn't <laughs> like any part of that. Oh, uh, no. 
And there's the catch to the last bit of rushing is that once in the ambulance, the patient basically is like, fuck all you. She is refusing to let the crew take another set of vitals, touch, or even really talk to her. She is pissed. And the hippopotamus reports thinking this, like, okay, well, her skin vitals, mentation, like, they're all just okay. They've been stable while they've been, you know, while we were on scene. And by the way, that time frame for the listeners is like 10 to 15 minutes. So the hippopotamus feels that she hasn't gotten worse. And based on the history, they feel that this is likely just alcohol related. You know, they're concerned about the head injury, like as a possibility, but they believe that this is just, this is just the good old alcohol talking. Okay. So basically they're going like, let's just get her to the level two trauma. Like we told her, we can explain the situation to them about like why we couldn't get more vitals and like the story and like what happens. And if I'm wrong, they're still highly capable of taking care of this patient. So Knight stands at the door of the ambulance and asks if the hippopotamus would like a rider. And the hippopotamus basically goes like, no, because, and explains all of the above, which, you know, yeah. And Knight initially agrees that that sounds like a reasonable plan. Rook, however, uh, overhears this conversation and kind of gently brings up a concern to Knight, who then summons the hippopotamus from the ambulance. So the walrus sits with the patient while Rook, Knight, and the hippopotamus talk. And Rook, what Rook says is basically this, like, hey, listen, while I agree that this is probably just a really intoxicated lady, I just want to bring up the fact that her husband was absolutely adamant that she was, like, out, like, for minutes. And and they I, should bring that up. I really think, given the circumstances and this history, she needs to go to a trauma center as a trauma hospital, as a trauma activation. And the hippopotamus acknowledges the concern and says, so I'm all for it, but like, here's the catch. We have her agreeing sort of to go to blankety blank hospital, which is a level two trauma facility. And semi willingly right now in that, like she's not actively trying to like leave the ambulance. But if we go down this other path to the trauma hospital, we're going to have to do a lot more. And very likely, like, chemically restrain her and manage all that entails. Like, again, we can do that, but this is, like, I'm throwing this out there. Mm, okay, can I interject really quick? Absolutely. He, here's my opinion. As I mentioned earlier, I tend to make trauma system entries a little more aggressively than, than other people would. Um, f- for me, you don't bring this up. I mean, okay. Yeah, I would understand bringing this up in the sense of being like, hey, guys, we should prepare to do this. But you should bring this up in the sense that like, hey, you know what? You're right. But let's prepare to have to do this. He's kind of bringing it up in a way to try and convince people to not go to a level one. And she's really qualified for a level one. In my opinion, she's qualified for a level one. And it's one of those things where it's, I would rather, like everything he's saying is true. We may need to chemically restrain this person, but I would rather the way that should be presented, presented is like this. Hey, you know what? You're right. Let's make her a trauma activation. Take her to a level one trauma center 
But let's make sure we know that when she realizes that the lights and sirens are going and we're not going to the hospital we told her we we're going to go to, we're going to have to be prepared to uh, sedate her. But I agree with you. The way I feel Hippopotamus is bringing this up is he's bringing it up to try and persuade the crew to go to the level two and not do a trauma entry. Yeah. Well, that, let's, uh, let, me, let me devil's advocate that for a moment. Okay. What's wrong with this plan? Which plan? If plan that they brought up. There's nothing is, wrong with the plan to chemically restrain the patient. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, the plan of, we told her we're going to this <clears> hospital. <throat> this hospital is technically qualified. I, you know, I'm not going to get a lot of, you know, they're, they're like, I'm not going to get a lot of vitals, right. but I can actually, I can still monitor the patient, get them there. They'll do a head CT. And if they find something awesome, they've caught something and there's still a level two trauma facility. And they should be able to manage the care. Well, so, so my problem, though, is, is he's made. OK, so my problem yeah. with his plan of going to level two is that he is making this statement off of having no vital signs. And so he doesn't have a complete assessment to really make that statement. Now, if yeah. I give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, hey, it turns out the vital signs are fine, which I'll be honest, they probably are. Yeah. But I don't know that. Um, yeah. But that's true. They probably are. But my problem is, is at this point, when we start going down the routes of assuming what could be wrong with this patient, there are all things that we would take to a level one trauma center. And that is yeah. we're assuming there is an intracranial bleed going on. And there is a yeah. reason we have a trauma system in place and she meets those qualifications. So at this point, really what he's doing is he isn't really weighing if we're being honest, he's not weighing yeah. hospital capabilities against each other. He's weighing pissing her off or not pissing her off. Yeah. What I would rather do is piss her off, but send her to a level one. Okay. And I, you know what? Uh, I think that's, that's, that's one of the things that we will talk about at the end because I, I totally agree with you. All right, sweet. <laughs> I just wanted to. Right. I just wanted to. I just to push back and 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 hear you say those things. So <laughs> good, good. I'm happy. So with all that, Rook Knight and the hippopotamus quickly come to an agreement to go to the trauma hospital. They tell the patient, which I think is a good call, but the patient does absolutely lose their shit at this uh, switcheroo. And is short order, is restrained, and then chemically restrained with five milligrams for said in the upper arm. By the way, drawn up and ready before they wow. even mentioned that the hospital was like, they're like, all right, Fuck we're doing yeah. this. Okay. Like, uh, let me go ahead and draw these meds up because, uh, yeah. Um, so within moments, the patient starts relaxing. Her speech gets terrible, even more slurry. And then she kind of quickly and quietly just sort of rests into the stretcher, though still occasionally yelling slurred slurs at the pa at the crew. Uh, nice. They put a seat collar on the patient and they just kind of lay her supine, which I think is better than a backboard. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I fucking hate backboards. So, uh, <laughs> which, again, uh, she doesn't like that her seat collar is put on, but her hands are restrained with soft restraints. And they're able to put the monitor back on the patient and get vitals. And her heart rate is now 120 sinus tack. BP is 124 over 80. SpO2 is 90%. So they put a nasal cannula on at four liters per minute. During the transport, a couple attempts are, uh, for IVs are made by night. 
But unfortunately, on the first one, the patient wakes up just to move at that sudden poke because nobody restrained the upper arm. Um, and then on the second one, they just good old fashioned miss. Uh, but they're able to use the securing kind of above and below uh, on the other side. And an IV is eventually secured. Good. All right. So the patient continues to remain uh, sedately pissed off for the trip, <laughs> waking up uh, enough to just sort of like angrily slur during the transport. Her vitals didn't change except that uh, the 90, you know, she got up to 99%. The trauma center is advised of the impending arrival. And on arrival to the trauma center, care is turned over. The patient uh, is woken up enough by staff to angrily tell them to fuck off and try Good. to bat them away. <laughs> So moments later, she is intubated and sedated so that they can CT her. And on follow-up, because the hippopotamus did do that, a head CT was found to be clear. So, what a call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I really liked the communication, and that's why I chose this call. Communication Uh, was great. Actually, from... Yeah. Yeah. I... Again, we, we... we talk in the head and the heart uh, episode about, you know, how, like you said, like how to get the patient to have your way. And there really is sort of a, you know, like it's a soft skill that is undervalued. I highly recommend everybody go back and listen to that. Cause we, we go into pretty extensive detail that we just like, we don't have the time to do now. Um, but I think that, yeah, he like the hippopotamus used active listening they like slow and slowly and steadily built rapport. I I just thought it was like this was this was a really stellar like job, you know. I, like even the the gaff aside, because boy, I've I've been guilty of that, um, and probably still am. You know, uh, it's it, this isn't yeah, it's not easy. This is a hard. This is a hard skill set. Um, I also really liked the like communication between the responders, uh, and like, and I think that. This sort of shows like the importance and power of building up those good working relationships. Um, like to where you like the other responders can kind of go like, Hey, I got a problem with your plan. Yeah. It's not a, and that it's not a good plan. I was actually really <laughs> impressed with that exact moment um, where, and this is kind of one of the things that's, it's not just needed between partners on, on individual scenes. It's needed Industry-wide, you have to be comfortable with questioning somebody or anybody with their plan and their route because that's where people really, really learn. And you got to understand, like, if someone – there's two pieces of advice I want to give. I want to give advice to the people who are new and want to say something but are afraid to. And I want to give advice to the people who have been at it a while and maybe are not taking criticism from new people or anyone like they should. The first piece of advice is if you see something, say something. It sounds very New York terrorist scare-ish, but <laughs> it is one of those things where it's like, hey, and this is what I would tell my trainees when I was an FTO with the ground ambulance transport company that we both work for. I would tell them all the time, like, hey, you're new, but you have a voice. If you see something, tell us. It is okay to let us know what's going on in your head. I may just have to tell you one scene, hey, you're wrong, we'll address it later, but we're not going to do that. That's fine. But say something. You're a paramedic, you're trained, you're smart, you see shit. Yeah. Talk about it. Two, you know, two brains working on a problem yeah. is far better than one. Like one person, and like we say, two guys will overlook shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
and we're experienced. Listeners, like, let's give ourselves a tell little. Tell us all the time. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but give us a little bit of credit here, though. You and I are two pretty experienced guys. Like, I'll tell you this, Spencer. Like, heart to heart. If yeah. my family was ever hurt and you showed up on scene, I'd be pretty happy about it. I mean, I'd be pissed because I'm like, God damn it. There's, there's a lot of there's just this pressure to perform. Chris uh, is really going to critique this right now. <laughs> this well, is going to be the next EMS 2020 call. But like, yeah, so the medic fucked up. Um, yeah, so anyway. your child is dead. Let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> and make some jokes along the way. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's awful. All right. So, but also a little bit of advice uh, to those of you that have been practicing for a while. Even even if the person is brand new and it's day one and maybe what they say is asinine, it's up to you to not only take their feedback, but it's also up to you to encourage them that that's okay. And those can sometimes be two different things. Obviously, if you're missing something and someone says something that makes sense, and even if they're new, that's going to make sense, you're going to go ahead and plug it and you're going to do it. But even yeah. if someone says something that's wrong and they say something that's off base, that you're like, ah, that don't sit there and berate them over it. Encourage that kind of stuff because that is so, so key for everyone to grow. Because I will tell you, this job changes non-freaking stop. I've been at it 15 years. I still learn new things every day. And that's the attitude you have to have going forward. So listen to people, encourage questioning and uh, go from there. Off my soapbox, please continue. All right. Yeah. I think if we kind of move over to the medical care standpoint, I think I think you and I are kind of on the same page. There is sort of a huge assumption here about alcohol. And I mean, it makes sense that there here's the things I see. There's sort of three super like concerning things that stand out from the assessment and the patient presentation. The first one is that the patient just suddenly dropped. The husband's significant other boyfriend guy said like no arms out just fucking collapsed right yeah i mean just so, straight up header didn't even try to protect herself yeah which kind of makes me go like at what point was she unconscious was she unconscious when she was dropping or was she unconscious after if your arms don't go out to protect you which is a very natural reaction mm-hmm. that makes me go like oh now i have to consider syncope as a problem. Oh, good point. Very good point. Um, I think the other thing to, is that the patient doesn't recall the event. And the third concerning thing is that the patient's heart rate is high. Now, again, alcohol intoxication is like the easiest and most likely explanation for all of these things. But again, we really want to be careful about assumptions and we want to consider I think a few key things. Alcohol might be masking a very real possibility of a head injury. We've all heard that in school and it is true. And patients who are heavy drinkers, uh, which is probably a fair guess in this case, there's actually a real likelihood that their liver liver is impaired when it comes to making clotting factors. So they are at a higher risk for bleeding or having bleeds that are more significant. And so that, that's something that you kind of want to take into account. No, like nobody likes dealing with drunks. Dr- drunk people are like, they're obnoxious. They are tough to fucking talk to and reason with 
even when they're nice, <laughs> you know, like, right. oh man, I love you. And you're like, please stop fucking. I don't have hair. Stop ruffling it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Just touch me with your tobacco hands. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, like, they are. They are at a higher risk for being injured. They're, a, you know, an at-risk population. It's They're hard to assess. And, you know, like, they can be sicker. So, just keep that in the back of your mind. Like, when you're like, God damn it, just fucking drunk person go like all right remember there, there's there are countless examples of people making that same assumption and getting burned that's right that's the, the point there i think there's also given the syncope that a 12 lead should have been done there are some things that you need to consider especially given that she's you know in her 40s so we have to and she sounds like she had an awful lot, what sounds like a syncopal event. So we have to consider things like Brugada syndrome or prolonged QT, which are like, they're, they're sort of like sodium channel myopathies. The Brugada syndrome is that's, that's the presumption and it can cause sudden cardiac arrest usually presents with syncope. And you look for sort of an incomplete right bundle branch block. Uh, Google Brugada syndrome. If you're, if you've never heard of it before, uh, it's sounds like I a think pasta. the estimation is that it's about like uh, one of five uh, sudden cardiac arrests might be attributed to that. Seriously, um, yeah, it's a it's a big deal, and it has a very particular presentation on a twelve lead, which if you catch, you'll get a cookie. So is that uh, true? Like, can you guarantee a cookie? I, I if you if you send me a strip with Brugada that you caught after a, I will. Fucking mail you cookies. You give me your address. <laughs> I will send you. I won't even like. I'll give you the good cookies. Like you're I, not gonna get like some fucking Keebler elf bullshit. No, you're gonna get like a de- if you like fucking soft cookies, you'll get the softest cookies. If you like hard, co- like I will just just tell me what kind of cookie you like. <laughs> whatever cookie you want, that's what you're getting. All right, you know here it is. Uh, EMS twenty twenty hashtag cookie challenge. If you can find. It was Brugada syndrome. If you can Brugada get a, a, a true blue EKG of Brugada syndrome that you found from the field, like here's what yep. you got to do. Print it out, write your name on it, and then send us a picture of that printout with your name on it with Brugada syndrome. And Spencer Oliver will buy you a cookie. Whatever cookie you want, you tell him the cookie, it's purchased. <laughs> Done. All right. You know someone's going to find a $100,000 cookie, yeah. right? Right. Oh, God. They yeah. probably will. It's like, yeah, I like the gold one. It's made with real gold. Fuck. <laughs> All right. So there's other things that we need to consider. Prolonged QT, which, again, can be is noted to be present with heavy drinkers. And there's other problems to consider, like a GI bleed. You know, again, her pressure seemed fine, but, you know, like eh, her pressure was taken laying down. And so, you know, it, it's less likely, but still, you know, worth investigating. I don't think that hippopotamus ever explored that. So we don't know if there were any positive signs, other positive signs for that other than, yeah, yeah, she's a drinker. And so she could be predisposed for it. Sure. Um, so, again, those are sort of my thoughts. I, I yeah, I think. Yeah. I think the medic was wrong in that decision, like to sort of like, ah, I'll just split the difference here. We'll keep her 
will keep her satisfied and take her to the level two trauma facility. And I think uh, it kind of boils down to this is it's like your benefits to taking her to the level two are just keeping her happy. Your benefits yeah. to keep taking her to the level one are possibly keeping her alive. Like I, I know that sounds shitty and very like black and white, but if the only reason you're not making her a trauma entry is to make her happy, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. Um. Oh, 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 pregnancy. That also needed to be considered a possibility here, too. Uh, last menstrual per- period, any, like, unilateral lower abdominal pain. Like, she's maybe almost outside the realm, but she might still be. So, you know, it, it, it's, it never hurts to ask any chance you could be pregnant. And, yeah, hear the answer. And if it, yeah, yeah. So... I don't, yeah, I think, I think those are, that's, that's my big critique on the medical care was, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad they went to the level one trauma center. I think that was the right call to make. I think it was, Um, I agree. But I think there were just, there were some things that in retrospect, (laughs) in 2020 hindsight, uh, were overlooked and probably should have been done just as a precaution. So, all right. Yeah. I agree, man. Hey, good call. I really like these calls where they're kind of borderline like that. I think that's where – because, you know, I think most people that listen to this and most paramedics in general, and we've said this time and time again, we don't review a lot of calls where really, really bad things happen. And the reason being is because when things are obviously bad, most paramedics know what to do. A lot of our calls sit in the gray area. Yeah. And that's where this is. So perfect gray area call. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Wolf. Feel free to hit fuck me. Feel free to hit us up on social media. We are at EMS twenty slash twenty on Facebook. Instagram is EMS twenty twenty show. And of course, email us at EMS twenty twenty podcast at gmail. Dot com. We love to hear your, your guys' comments, questions, all that kind of stuff. Um, please send us a review, drop some comments, do what you do. And Spencer, do what you do and take us out super awkwardly or don't. Maybe take this to a level two exit instead of level <laughs> one exit that it should be. Yeah, you guys, you guys just sit tight, relax. I'm not going to touch you. We'll just get you up to the level two trauma center. And, uh, <laughs> you yeah, shouldn't touch just... anybody, really. I think <laughs> should stop touching listeners. All right, with that, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. This was a long episode, but I hope it was worth it. Have a great night, day, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Adios, amigos. Bye.